Imagine you're the founder of a small biotech company. You have spent millions of dollars and years of time developing a new diagnostic test for a blood disease. You're about to revolutionize your field. But if you're a researcher in the US, you may very well not get a patent for your game-changing discovery because recent shifts in the system mean that your invention is no longer protected. Or you may get a patent, but it could be challenged in a non-court education system, allowing other firms to quickly invalidate your intellectual property. Unable to fully monetize their investment, your investors lose interest and begin funneling their money to other innovations in places like Switzerland or Germany, where such research is better protected. This is not a fairy tale, but a reality for a variety of American investors, entrepreneurs, academics, lobbyists, and lawyers who believe that the U.S. patent system has swung radically in the wrong direction. Over the past 15 years, it has moved from a system that was arguably overzealous in granting patents to one in which the country's top minds can no longer monetize their research. This is a state of affairs that could have dramatic consequences for U.S. competitiveness in a world in which most economic value lives in intellectual property. After this break, I'm going to be talking with Ryan Can, a patent attorney based here in Reno, Nevada, why innovation becomes progressively more difficult as ideas move into development and then into commercialization. I'll be right back. If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 23 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 352-9396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 352-9396. SunTech Solar Screening combines expert craftsmanship, attention to detail, and state-of-the-art materials to deliver a precision fit of heat-repellent technology. SunTech Solar Screening adds comfort and style to your home all summer long. for a free estimate and you'll feel the difference immediately just by holding up the SunTech solar screen. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech solar screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech solar screening. Patent attorney Ryan J. Can, founder of Can IP Law, has experience working with all types of businesses and creative people to protect their intellectual property. He has obtained patents and trademarks for solo inventors, entrepreneurs, venture-funded startup companies, universities, and large corporations. His website is can, C-A-N-N-I-P, law.com. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, let's talk about your thoughts on whether companies are fostering a culture of innovation in America 
or are we giving up because it's becoming harder and harder to compete? Well, I wouldn't be so pessimistic. I, I have a, a large number of clients who are small businesses, uh, startup businesses, people with simple consumer products. And I would say mostly they're bullish on the, on, uh, the market. They, um, they're excited to get going. While I can understand politically, it might be um, an uncertain time. Uh, I'm not going to get into politics here. A lot of people are excited about the about the good economy right now. They think that people are going to buy their products, um, and they're getting into the market if they can. Mm -hmm. So, but overall, I mean, the patent system has changed quite mm -hmm. a bit over the last decade, for sure. And you know, one of the the reasons that you're here is I was working with a client. He has this great idea. He spent a lot of time researching patent attorneys came up against a lot of brick walls and his product is not that complicated. So he did find you and so what is it about what you do that kind of set you apart from other patent attorneys where he came back and said, my gosh, this guy made it so easy. Well, to be a patent, to be a patent attorney in the first place, you have to have a background in engineering or science. You don't have to have a degree in it, but I do. I have a BS in mechanical engineering and then you have to go to law school. Um, there's just not that many patent attorneys out there that have you know, jumped through all these hoops. And often people that do, for whatever reason, they're maybe not that good at talking to people. Um, people with engineering backgrounds, science backgrounds, not always the best people, people, people. You know, I can't speak for other patent attorneys, but I like to meet new clients. Um, I enjoy meeting, you know, meeting new inventors, talking about their inventions, and you know, maybe they feel comfortable talking to me about their inventions. Um, and I think it works out well. Mm -hmm. So what you see trending right now, as you said, is a lot of consumer products. So these aren't, you know, massive technical, like you mentioned be in during our break, that your dad is a chemical engineer, right? So he spent a lot of time developing formulas and things like that. And so is that kind of the trend now because of the Amazons and the Walmarts and all these people, everyone thinks, oh, I can create a product, get it on QVC, or the home shopping network, and boom, I'm a millionaire. I think yes. I think I think people <laughs> do have have those hopes, um, and it, you know it is possible. It's it's not hard to get your product on Amazon, uh, and then you can be available to you know millions of people around the world. It can be difficult to get your product to stand out on Amazon, perhaps uh, because there's so much on there. But it isn't difficult to set up a website to get your product to market these days. That is the, much easier than it used to be giving small business people a chance um, and they have a hope here. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I get patents from my clients. Um, just as an example, on Amazon, it is important to have a patent. Not, it is not required. Amazon's not going to, you know, require you to have a patent, but it's a competitive marketplace. And I've had clients who have had competitors assert patents against them to try to get them to stop selling their products. When that happens, Amazon doesn't really take a lead role in this. They just facilitate conversation between the two merchants. And if you don't have your own patent at that point, it can be difficult to push back. People assert their patents in a broad way if, when they have one. So people are going to try to stop competitors from selling their product on Amazon if they can, uh, even if it's not that similar. Uh, this happened a few months ago with one of my clients. He's selling a small consumer product. Um, it's, a, it's an adapter for an outlet, an electrical outlet, uh, just a piece of plastic, basically. Um, but we got a patent for him on that. He had a competitor try to stop him from being able to sell his product because he had another adapter for uh, an electrical outlet that worked in a completely different manner. It didn't even try to do the same objective. He was trying to get them to stop selling. Um, if they didn't have their own patent to assert back against him, 
you know, they might have been successful, but they were able to assert their patent and, um, you know, stop him from, or they were able to assert their patent and stop him from, in, um, from, from his infringement assertions. Let, let's talk about, because I know one of the things that changed is uh, in the patent world, it used to be whoever had the patent had the right, now it's first to file. Is that correct? That's so, correct. So talk about the difference. I think there's a lot of confusion about what is a provisional patent versus now I have a patent and why timing is so important for an inventor or someone that's coming up with something new. Yes. Yeah, so the U.S. used to be a first to, or used to be a first to invent system, which means that even if you were not the first to file a patent application with the USPTO, United States Patent and Trademark Office even if you were second to file on the same idea, if you could prove that you were the first to invent that, that invention um, using evidence of invent inventive notes and other things like that, then you could still get a patent on it. Uh, you can win out over somebody that may have filed first uh, but invented it second. Uh, that changed um, about five years ago. Um, they went to a new system uh, which actually puts us in compliance with the rest of the world. The rest of the world already had a first to file system uh, we've gone to a first-to-file system as well. And what that means is the first person to file a patent application with the patent office, if it's a novel invention, will get the patent on it. Uh, they will not consider evidence of inventing it before somebody else's filing date. They won't even consider that now. Purely a first-to-file system. And this has pluses and minuses. But for you know the majority of my clients are small business people. Um, this is not a good thing for them because small people, small businesses, startup businesses don't always have the resources to get a patent uh, prepared and filed quickly. Whereas a big, large company, Google, Facebook, something like that, they have patent attorneys on staff. Uh, they're able to prepare a patent application and get it filed maybe within days of, a, of an invention being invented. That's going to give them advantage of the patent office because they're getting things filed first. One of the, so as you mentioned, first to file, so this becomes now more important for people, you know, if you want to go out and raise funds, get investors, uh, non-disclosure, because if all of a sudden you're saying the first one to file, if I share my idea with you and you go file, that I can see where now that trend seems a little bit um, litigious. <laughs> Yeah, it can make it difficult to talk about your invention before it's filed. And, and these days, because of this first-to-file rule, you're right. It is very important to get something filed with the patent office before you talk about it widely with lots of people, ideally before you talk about it with anybody. Uh, but that's not always realistic. I understand that. So in those kind of situations, you can use an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. For instance, an inventor wants to talk to an engineer about uh, creating a prototype for his product. This could be a tricky situation that can be, uh, there can be a lot of pitfalls there for the inventor. For one, if you talk about openly with your idea, you talk openly about your idea with this engineer, for instance. In theory, he could go file a patent application on that um, and possibly beat you to the patent office. And that would cause lots of problems for you. He likely would be able to get a patent. You know, it's possible you would be able to litigate it in some way in the future to invalidate his patent. But you would not be able to get your own patent in that situation because they beat you to the patent office. Hmm. Interesting. So kind of my lead in when we talk about what has changed in America, 
when you have people such as a big organization that are filing lots of patents, they've got the system dialed in. But for the mom and pop or the solo inventor, it's really important that they come and talk to someone like you, Ryan, first before they start to disclose to the world, here's my idea, here's what I'm doing. And I'm talking to Ryan Can, who's Can IP, Patent and Trademark Law. If you want to reach out to him, his phone number is 775-470-5484 or visit his website, can, C-A-N-N-I-P-Law.com. We've got to go to break. We come back. I want to pick up on this uh, thought process here. Stick with us. Extraction Jackson. Here's what people are saying about CJ's recommended carpet care. Michelle Holbert. I have used Jack several times and he's fantastic. He's cleaned my own carpets, several of my rental properties. I've been very happy. My tenants have really been surprised at how nice the carpets look after he's completed them. Tile, grout, carpet, upholstery? Call 829-1551 or visit cjscarpetcare.com. Extraction Jackson. He's the best. There is risk in owning investment real estate in your personal name. Sage International Incorporated, a local business, has been helping new and seasoned real estate investors with their real estate investment strategy by forming LLCs, series LLCs, and corporations for over 23 years to protect their real estate assets. Call 775-786-5515 for a free 30-minute consultation. That's 775-786-5515. Call Sage International. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech Solar Screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening. Welcome back. Thank you for tuning in to the Sherry Hill Show. I'm having a great conversation with Ryan Can of Can IP Law. And we were just talking about, you know, the whole patent trademark system has changed, but really we're, we're focused on patents today. That if I'm a small inventor, I have this great idea because of the first to file, which is what changed in patent law of late, that you have a lot of people that are keeping their information close to the vest. They're not moving as fast forward to get a provisional patent or a patent filed. And for those that have no idea the process, um, they're probably messing up their ability to get one before they even start. So they're in failure before they even start. So how important is it for someone that has an idea, is ready to start moving on a prototype to get in touch with a a patent attorney first to learn what is the process? Yeah, I think that is important, (laughs) uh, especially these days, like you said, with prevalence of big companies filing lots of patent applications. It can be difficult for the the small business person to, to get involved. But they should talk to a patent attorney as soon as they can. It, can. it can be a problem to talk about your idea with other people, engineers, vendors, uh, marketers, those kind of people. They, in theory, could steal your idea. And if you haven't filed a patent, op- if you haven't filed a patent application yet, uh, that could cause a problem for you. 
sorry to get into this, but if you use an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, um, that's a good way to start. Uh, if you're using um, a properly drafted NDA, it should include language that makes any intellectual property that arises from your relationship with the vendor or the third party should be owned by the, by the inventor. Um, if you don't make that clear in an agreement such as that, then any contributions by the vendor or the engineer or the marketer could be considered inventive steps. And it, in theory, they could potentially own the invention or at least jointly own it at that point, which is not what you want as a small business person, you know, trying to get your idea to market. No, I you guess want, not. <laughs> you want to own it entirely yourself. <laughs> and some, some, you know, third parties, engineering firms can be known for this. They can be a little tricky. They might suggest changes to your products. And if you're not careful, all of a sudden their changes should be part of the invention. If you're doing it properly, they should be listed as an inventor on the patent application. If they are, they own it jointly at that point. Wow. If they are not listed, but they should have been, your whole entire patent can be invalidated in the future um, during a lawsuit by a potential infringer. So uh, these are tricky issues, but they can be handled if you talk to an attorney you know, early in the process. You get a properly drafted NDA, it includes, you know, language making sure that any intellectual property arising from the relationship is owned entirely by the inventor and not by the third party. And also you want to get a patent application filed. The patent office, the USPTO, provides uh, a provisional patent application. It's another way to go. Uh, usually you need to file a utility patent application, but you can start with a provisional patent application. Uh, it's usually cheaper to have prepared by an attorney. The filing fees are significantly less at the patent office, um, $70 for a micro entity versus $430 for a, for a utility patent application. And the provisional, uh, like I said, it's cheaper to prepare. You can get it prepared re relatively quickly by an attorney. Uh, for me, my turnaround time is about two weeks on a provisional application, whereas it's a month or more for a utility application. And once that's filed, you get a filing date with the USPTO. Um, you're locked into that date. Um, if you, you have to follow up within one year with a full utility application, um, and there's probably more expense for that, but you'll have that one year period, uh, which a lot of inventors use to find uh, investors that can help them you know, foot the bill for the larger cost of the utility application one year later. But this is a good process that allows people to get started, get something filed with the patent office so you don't have to worry about uh, the other issues I talked about, um, you know, talking to third parties about it. Once it's filed with the patent office, you don't really have to worry about that anymore. That's kind of the advantage there. So if I try and do this myself and my patent application gets rejected, that's not a considered a first to file. A rejection like that doesn't end the process. You're still pending. So once you file an application, you're patent pending at that point. Even after the first rejection, uh, you're still patent pending then. Uh, you have the opportunity to respond to a rejection. You, there's no fees to respond to rejection if you do so within the first three months, um, but it's a very advisable to use a patent attorney for that response, which will, of course, cost you attorney's fees. But those rejections by the patent office are extremely technical. They're going to cite uh, prior art against you, which is other patents and other published patent applications, and they're going to say why these things uh, describe elements of your invention, um, and they're going to say it anticipates your invention and you have to show them why that's incorrect. So if you don't understand the language or where they're doing their research, I mean, this, this is one of those areas of law where it makes no sense to do it on your own, right? <laughs> because you're gonna cut 
so much time, so much cost. And if the goal is as a you know, solopreneur or someone who has this invention, the key is to get it to market and start having it produce, right? Income for you. The longer this process takes, the more opportunity for others to start, you know, honing in on your idea, basically. Yeah, that's that's true. And 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 like I said, it's very technical. All the language involved with patents is extremely technical. The most important part of a patent is the claims. Are the are the claims, which are at the end of a written patent. If you see a published patent, um, the claims are towards the end. It's extremely technical language. Difficult for the layman to really read at all, um, honestly. And so. It's very good idea to use a patent attorney for that. Otherwise, you're going to be rejected. Or if you are able to get a patent, it might not be worth as much as it should be because perhaps you limited your invention in some way that you didn't even realize with the language you used to describe it. And if you limit your invention too much um, and, it's, and you get a patent that's considered too narrow, it's very easy for a competitor to infringe on your basic idea without infringing on the language of the patent and they could copy your general idea without legally be, infr be infringing, and then you're out of luck in terms of stopping them or um, recovering damages for them from them. Well, and that's the whole backside of the patent. It's the protection for the inventor, and really we have it so that if someone infringes, we have a right to go after them to cease and desist or whatever. Tell me quickly, is there ever a time when it doesn't make sense for someone to get a patent? They have this idea, it's a consumable product that, you know, the trend is going to be gone in a year. Do you ever advise people, let's not go through this whole process and not have this expense? Uh, there's a couple situations where, yeah, that, that would be the case. The most famous example is uh, Coca-Cola. The formula for Coca-Cola is, uh, is a trade secret. It is not patented. If it was patented, they would have had to publish the exact formula um, that would be publicly available. Anybody would be able to use it after the period of the patent ends. The theory behind patent law in general is that you have to have full disclosure to the public. In return for that full disclosure, you can't hold anything back. You have to have full disclosure. In return for that, you get uh, exclusive rights to practice that invention, but only for the term of the patent, which is 20 years from your filing date. After that, it's publicly available. And so if Coca-Cola had not gone the trade secret route, if they had gone the patent route, they would have had to publish it and everybody would be able to copy it 20 years later. Here we are, I don't know what it is, 100 years later from the Coke formula, still a secret. And they were able to do that with a trade secret, which it's up to them to actually keep it as a secret. There's no government protection involved. Uh, but like I said, you in theory could have protection forever in that, in that kind of situation. Yeah. Well, there's, this is a huge body of law, so it's not just patents, it's trademarks, it's trade secrets, it's trade dress, it's copyrights. I mean, this is all the area that you work in and help people understand what makes sense, what doesn't. Who I'm talking to is Ryan Can, Can IP Law. He's a local patent attorney here in Reno. His phone number is 775 Four seven zero five four eight four. Visit his website can c a n n i p law dot com. I imagine Ryan that you know anyone that's listening or has a question, just to understand if it makes sense to engage someone like you. Do you offer a free consult? How does it work? Yes. Um, if you go to my website, you'll see. Um, so I offer free consultations. I do a free fifteen minute consultation. 
Um, happy to do it in person at my office, which is uh, downtown uh, in the U.S. Bank building here in Reno. Or, you know, if you're located remotely, I do work with clients in other states. I have clients all up and down the East Coast as well. I'm happy to do a phone consultation uh, if that's better for you. But yeah, I'm happy to talk about uh, my, my forte is patents and trademarks. Um, I do a lot of trademark applications as well for local businesses. And yeah, uh, we do a free 15-minute consultation, and then we can talk about how to get started if you'd like to get it, if you'd like to do so. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. And, you know, my world of asset protection, one of the most important things to protect is your intellectual property, right? I mean, that's a huge part of what sits on a business's balance sheet. And when you go unprotected, you uh, set yourself up uh, for some problems down the road. So, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show, where business is amplified. SunTech Solar Screening adds elegance, comfort, and privacy to your home. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screens block up to 90% of the sun's heat and glare. SunTech Solar Screening proudly features Pfeiffer Screening products. 3529396. SunTech Solar Screening combines expert craftsmanship, attention to detail, and state of the art materials to deliver a precision fit of heat repellent technology. SunTech Solar Screening adds comfort and style to your home all summer long. Call for a free estimate and you'll feel the difference immediately just by holding up the SunTech solar screen. Don't suffer any longer as temperatures soar into the 90s and 100s. 3529396. Senior citizen and military discounts. SunTech solar screens pay for themselves with lower cooling costs all summer long. Make shade while the sun shines. Call SunTech solar screening for a free estimate. 3529396. SunTech solar screening.